0: The All Out Kentucky Podcast.
1: You're going to hate me, because I come to your town and we beat your team. Benny he still needs five yards to break Sonny Collins'
0: career rushing record. They give it to Benny, straight ahead, 10, Five! Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky podcast, your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined as always by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. Off for a week and now we are back, and on today's episode we will discuss some recent news and updates surrounding the basketball and football program, including a new strength and conditioning coach that was hired, a transfer for Mark Stoops coming in on the defensive side of the football. And then we've got some new news regarding the men's basketball schedule for next season in 2022. And then we will take a look at Six different players that have committed to the Kentucky football team for the 2023 season and another commit or not commit another recruit that we are going after quite hard. And uh, we have some news about him that just came out this morning as well. And then we are going to wrap things up. Me and Sam are going to have a little conversation about some developments um, over the week regarding Nick Saban and what he had to say, uh, talking about NIL and boosters and a lot of the stuff that me and Sam touched on in the previous episode of the All Out Kentucky podcast. So thought that that would be a good way to end and we can wrap it up and tie it back into our program and Kentucky as a whole. So with that being said, I would like to bring in Sam and uh, have him touch on our new addition to the Kentucky Wildcats staff.
1: Yeah, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. Uh, glad to be back and bring you guys another episode of the All Out Kentucky Podcast. And uh, like you said, AJ, we've actually got some exciting developing news. As we uh, stated previously on uh, the episode before, is that you know Kentucky actually went ahead and released Rob Harris, our previous strength and conditioning coach for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball program. He had been there for quite some time um, and really had built up a rapport within our athletics organization. But ultimately, um, we decide to go in a different direction and Mark Stoops let Rob Harris go, which creates a vacancy in that position, which has officially been filled by none other than Braden Welsh. He comes to the Wildcats previously in the exact same position, assistant coach and head of strength and conditioning for Purdue, the Boilermakers. Um, AJ, obviously, you know well, Purdue had a heck of a basketball team last year with one of the most prolific individual players in the entire nation that is likely going to go in the top three of this upcoming NBA draft in Jaden Ivy. Um, you know, when I actually got the news about this hiring of Braden Welsh to the Wildcats program, I was immediately excited because all I could think about was, okay, what did Purdue last year? What did Purdue do last year in the realm of health and how did their players perform on the basketball court? And realistically, when you look at just none other than Jaden Ivy, he had the availability to play throughout the entire season at his full potential. And that made me really excited. I mean, Purdue overall wasn't plagued by injuries last year, um, but that's not the most important part. It's obviously about the resume that Braden is bringing into our program. And that's a very strong resume for how young he is. Uh, obviously, as I said, he's coming to us from Purdue. Before that, he was actually in charge of the program over at Temple, um, and then before that, where he first spread his wings was at IMG Academy, one of the most prolific academies for both basketball and men's football in the entire nation. Um, obviously, he has had a extremely and quick career at the strength and conditioning um, throughout the nation, and I just think that you know what Cal and even Braden was saying once the hiring came through was uh, encouraging as far as the. Direction that we chose to go with this position. I think, you know, the biggest issue, AJ, was just when we look at what has plagued some of our most recent seasons, it's, it honestly, is it's been injury. I mean, we look back and we've had, you know, a critical PJ Washington go down right ahead of the SEC and NCAA tournament. Reed Travis goes down right before the NCAA tournament. We got Ty Ty Washington this year. We have Severe Wheeler this year. I mean, just inopportune times with some of our key players. And I, I totally agree with the other side that almost any team in the entire NCAA, AJ, if they get plagued by injury and it's one of their star players, I mean, yeah, they're, they're probably not going to make a run in which they were capable of come March. I mean, that's just, that's across the board. So it's not just Kentucky Wildcats, but I do think the direction that Mark Stoops and staff want to go with the way we're training our players, that's critical. Because don't get me wrong, Rob Harris was incredible at making our players explosive and athletic and lean. I don't think that's the type of team that John Calipari wants to build anymore. And AJ, me and you have really dove through the commitments that we have for this next season and the type of players John Calipari is bringing in. And I think that goes hand in hand with what Braden Welsh wants to do for our program. He doesn't want to have the same prototype that we've had in previous years. He wants to build these guys' strengths. He wants to make them durable. And that's what I'm really excited about because I want that durability. I want these players to be able to go in every single night and play physical, but also without getting hurt. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a really exciting hiring. I think Mark Stoops, I mean, if you look at some of the quotes he had, is extremely excited. And, you know, Braden was immediately saying that he wants to get directly to work. He couldn't have thought of a more – Prolific program to join, and he said that, and that's exciting because he knows what he's stepping into, and he knows that the job he has ahead of himself.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think the reason that me and Sam bring this up as as, as news and want to talk about it is because this position um, within the program uh, around the basketball team and the football team is one that is very valuable, and if you have the right guy here. Um, can really do a lot for both of your programs. I mean, in football, injuries are the name of the game. I mean, you're not going to go a game or a season without injuries. It's going to happen. But how the guys recover from those injuries, how quickly they're able to get back on the field – Avoiding some of those injuries in the way that they train and being able to pr- prolong their careers and even um, prolong the amount of games that they can play at the collegiate level without missing significant time. I mean, those those things do go a long way. And you can look all across the board. I mean, even even at the professional level, you see guys who are labeled as quote-unquote, you know, injury risk or injury prone. Um, and I'm not saying that Kentucky has a bunch of those guys who have come out and they've been completely injury prone or whatever the term is that you want to use. Um, but I think Sam hit it on the head where he's just talking about how, um, Calipari coach Stoops, um, and our new trainer really want to just, uh, be on the same page and really start to build, um, that strength and conditioning program that's beneficial for all the players and their health going forward and their durability and just being able to, to have that availability because that is such a key part to the success of both of these programs is being able to have our top players available. And we need someone who's there working with them and teaching them and coaching them because, I mean, this stuff starts at such a younger age now. I mean, these guys in the, at the pro level – nutritionist they've got trainers they've got you know chefs all these people there who are helping them maintain a level of top physical their top physical peak and um, that starts even earlier and earlier now and having a guy here on staff who's working with everybody and really trying to um get that going at the collegiate level and, and help these guys out um it can it can really go a long way, like I said, in the success of our season. So um excited to see Brandon come in here and we'll we'll see what, what happens over time. But um yeah, it, it it was it was a little bittersweet. Um but you know, it is what it is. This is a business and sometimes you gotta move on from people and you gotta bring in the next person and they gotta do their job and keep things rolling. So, like I said, we'll see how things go, but excited for this new hire.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I mean um, just to give a little insider tidbit of just the importance of the strength and conditioning programs at just the collegiate level. Um, AJ and I have a brother-in-law that we don't hate him for this, so don't judge us, but he actually is a, um, athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach for, um, the Louisville athletics program. So he specifically works with their track and field team, but, um, you know, just picking at his brain over the years. And he really dives into the fact that these coaches for every single one of these collegiate teams that are their athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches, they make the difference. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone in their respective positions make the difference, but this stuff is critical. And as AJ was saying, I mean, every single player at yet, especially in the basketball realm at such young ages are, training with their own respective mentors or strength and conditioning coaches and it starts young and when they come into a basketball program it has to be clear-cut what type of player is going to be bred out of that program and kentucky basketball for a long time has obviously made some very prolific nba players come from our program um so this position is huge I, i mean every single person in the nation would probably beg for this opportunity to be the strength and conditioning coach for UK basketball program. So, I mean, it's an exciting hire. Obviously, it's something to keep our eyes on. I just wanted to throw that in there because, you know, it was a huge decision, and I think when it's not – you know, the head or the head coach or, you know, the offensive coordinator, it's not as flashy. And I just wanted to make sure that our listeners obviously understand the importance that went behind John Calipari's decision here.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And, um, sticking with football, uh, we do have a new transfer that is coming to town for next season. And, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about this new player?
1: yeah so uh as aj said we got another addition to the wildcats program next year and this individual is going to be helping us in the secondary which is absolutely huge for our program and our opportunities next year um his name is zion childress and he comes to us from texas state um, a former Bobcat, and, you know, this this commitment and transfer is huge, obviously, as we kind of broke down our current recruiting class and our transfer portal status. Um, we were previously ranked at number 23 in the recruiting status for the entire nation. We've actually jumped to 19, so it's uh, pretty exciting, guys. I mean, as AJ and I have broken down previously, some of our lapses – for games and critical downs have really been coming from that secondary um some of it is just self-inflicted some of it's injury prone um you know it's it's been a difficult position for us to really hone in on but clearly mark stoops and staff have been able to identify that lapse in our program and really hone in on our opportunities for next season i mean the depth that we are creating at the secondary is going to be massive. Um, We've got got a lot of versatile players that are going to be back there in the secondary that can play safety, that can play cornerback, um, that can even hop into the nickel. And I, I really appreciate that because, you know, as you saw, AJ, we oftentimes get beat on clear cut third down passing plays, And that's inexcusable in the SEC. I mean, you did your job down one, down two, you know what they're gonna have to do down three, and yet we still get beat. Um so this is an exciting commitment. Uh Zion actually was back to back his junior and senior year most valuable player in the state of Texas during the um state playoff runs. So that's extremely exciting. I'm not necessarily saying he's the best player in Texas, that don't get me wrong. I mean he was a three star. But um, What's really exciting is that, you know, in critical games and critical moments back there in the secondary as he plays safety, uh, you know, he made the right plays and ultimately got awarded that MVP trophy back-to-back years. And that speaks volume to, to me. Um, obviously, he knows how to perform in critical conditions. And I, I really like the ad here. Obviously, you can just see the stars are aligning. I mean, we had to go out and we had to get that depth of, at our secondary positions. And we've been able to do that and address it by hitting the transfer portal. And, you know, that's exciting to me. Mark Stoops continues to show that he can get the recruiting job done, both in the transfer portal and within the recruiting classes.
0: Yeah. So when I heard the news about uh, Zion transferring over from Texas state, uh, I got pretty excited and I started digging into some of his tape, um, with the bobcats there at texas state and um he had a a a really good season honestly in 2021 i thought that as i watched him he's a guy who who really flies around there in that secondary and he makes a lot of tackles um there was numerous times where um he's stepping up into the middle of the field and taking away routes and um taking receivers out as soon as they catch the ball and kind of limiting that yards after catch, which is so vital to some, some offenses. And then, um, definitely covering for his DBs and, um, helping out saving touchdowns, different things like that. Um, as a defense, they only had three interceptions all season and he had one of them. So they didn't take away a ball a ton, but clearly a guy who, um, put himself in the right spot to be able to, get an interception. Uh, he had a lot of past deflections, so, you know, probably could have had some more interceptions, didn't quite grab, um, more than one, which is okay. But, um, I was, I was impressed with, uh, watching him play on tape and just, Seeing him play last season, he definitely is a guy who's going to be able to fly around in that secondary. He's not afraid to lay the body and tackle people, that's for sure, and he's not afraid to go hunt that ball and and try to put himself in a position to either get an interception or bat down a pass. And as Sam said, we can use all of the depth that we can at this cornerback and safety position out there in the secondary. There is nothing more frustrating than – As a fan, and I can even say, probably for the coaches and the players, than getting a team in third and long, third and anything, seven, eight yards and above, and you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to pass the ball, and yet there's still a guy open. And it's deflating. It's absolutely deflating as a fan. It's got to be deflating for defense, the coaches, and um, it's hard to just continue to pick yourself back up off the mat like that when you consistently are getting burned on plays where those are game-changing plays. You, you make the stop, all right, now it's our ball on offense. And those kind of things, um, you can get away with it from time to time, but over the course of the season, that sort of stuff adds up, and, and those really become critical, critical downs throughout the course of a season, and we need to be able to make those plays um, because that's the difference in having – eight or nine wins and 10 or 11 wins or between having six or seven wins and 11 or 12 wins so um the margin for error is slim and like i said we can use all the depth that we can get in the Mm -hmm. secondary and getting a lot of guys out there competing and um being able to put a solid group back there together out on the football field this this fall so
1: yeah no absolutely it's exciting um it really does make that that difference. I mean, AJ's totally right. The margin of error in the secondary is critical. I mean, you could be on a down or two. That could be the difference in swing in an entire game. I mean, we're talking touchdowns, obviously. So um, really exciting just to add that depth. It's going to be interesting to see how Mark Stoops and staff kind of play through the rest of the spring ball uh, and going into the summer uh, ahead of, obviously, the startup in August. It'll just be... Interesting to see, you know, how the depth charts come out and where Zion actually falls, you know, if he's going to be a starter, if he's going to be coming in um, with the secondary group. But nonetheless, it's going to be a big add, obviously. I think, honestly, AJ, we might be one more commitment away, whether it be, you know, from the transfer portal or remaining eligible recruits in the class of 2022 for just a full, fully loaded in-depth secondary that we can rely and trust on. Um, we'll see if we're able to capture one more. I know there's actually some names flashing around the transfer portal right now that we've been going after. So uh, maybe some more developing news to come uh, from AJ and I, as long as, you know, we're able to capture that, but no guarantees, but it's just something to keep our eyes on.
0: Okay. We're going to switch gears just a little bit and, Actually, quite recently, we had some exciting news regarding the Kentucky basketball schedule for next season. And one game was officially um, scheduled for december that we're going to get to and then we're just going to touch on a couple of the other games that are also on our schedule for next season these are all non-conference games um, but where i'd like to start is with a matchup on december 17th and it is the cbs sports classic and kentucky will be taking on ucla i am super super excited about this game um One, they have kind of moved this game around from location to location. If my memory serves me correctly, last year, um, was it last year we were supposed to play Ohio State or something, and then
1: they they had to back out because of COVID,
0: and then we ended up playing North Carolina that game, which we smoked them, but...
1: Yep, it was out in Vegas, yeah. We were ultimately going to be playing OSU. Um, yeah, they had COVID issues within-house, and then quickly they rescheduled us for UCLA. And like you said, AJ, I mean, we blew the brakes off of them.
0: Um, not UCLA. We're going to play UCLA UNC. this year. Yeah, UNC. UNC yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, so anyways, um, I am super excited about this game because um, – Like I said, they've moved the venue around, but this year it's going to be at Madison Square Garden. And I just think that is an awesome, awesome atmosphere and one that really is going to kind of capture what a Final Four-type national championship-type game would be like. And I think that that is super, super helpful um, for – the guys on the team, and that's that's a sort of experience that you can get throughout the season that can really pay dividends down the stretch, um, especially yeah. with newcomers on the team, freshmen, guys who haven't played in a ton of games that are super big like that. Um, it's just a totally different atmosphere. It's just absolutely electric. I mean, um, it's going to be a really cool game. And I think back to, I believe it was your um, – that was Tyrese Maxey's first game. Uh, they played at Madison square garden In Madison square garden, uh, Michigan state. And he just started going off. I mean, he had like 35 points or something. He was banking in threes. He was switching threes. (laughs) Um, but Hey, look, I mean, I'm not saying this has everything to do with it, but I mean, you see where Tyrese Maxey is now in the NBA and when the lights come on in the playoffs as a young guy, he really did perform well. And, Mm -hmm. um, those sorts of experiences along the way really can help um, these guys as they progress in their careers. So just a super exciting game and uh, iconic atmosphere to be able to try to take on UCLA. And I believe, I mean, from, from what I've heard and from what I know, Johnny Juzang will be back on UCLA next year. They will have quite a team. So that should just be an absolutely stellar matchup, be able to go up against a former cat and just kind of, Um, really be able to put ourselves up against a team that has made two very good runs in the tournament and had some serious success the last couple of seasons. So I I I can't say enough. I'm super excited about this game.
1: Yeah, no, this was an awesome announcement coming from the uh, CBS sports classic. I mean, this is something that we've been able to kind of etch our way into the last couple of seasons and be a cornerstone program, a part of this really cool atmosphere as AJ's kind of breaking down, um, obviously back to Madison square garden. So the bright lights are going to be shining and hopefully some of our stars can really let their names fly. But, um, just really, really excited. As AJ said, I mean, right now, as it stands, this would be a preseason number one team versus the preseason number two team. Um, that, that being UCLA is currently sitting at number one in the rankings and, uh, Kentucky at number two. So, um, Either way, I mean, obviously we'll have a ways to go because that's not falling until December 17th. So there'll definitely be some movement um, between now, then obviously the start of the season and then. um, But that's just going to be as good as it gets. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere, a true test for the Kentucky Wildcats. And like you said, AJ, I mean, that's just huge to put under your belt come March and just reflect on big moments and big opportunities like this game creates and this Champions Classic creates. So, um, really excited that we drew UCLA um, the last couple of years. I mean, that has been a team that we've actually had to go up against a few times, and we've really kind of rekindled that rivalry in the Blue Bloods. And I'm excited. I mean, like you said, AJ the indicators kind of point that Johnny Juzang could be back. Um, I will say that this goes for everyone. Uh, The individuals that have their names in the NBA draft are eligible to remove their name up until June one. So we've just got, about a week left before uh, some of these players ultimately have to make their final decisions to see if they're going to come back or not. Uh, That's in regards to obviously some of our cats that have their names in the draft, as well as, you know, the entire nation, including UCLA. So it'll be interesting to just see what some of those guys decide, but nonetheless, I mean, UCLA's basically reloaded next year. They're going to be awesome. Um, It's going to be a really fun atmosphere to be a part of i'm really hoping that maybe you and i AJ, can head over to madison square garden but even if we can't make it for that one there is one a bit closer to our neck of the woods and that is another exciting game that aj and i wanted to call to your guys attention and that is against the michigan state spartans in indianapolis in the annapolis on uh, november 8th so i am absolutely pumped
0: Yeah, I mean, always great when uh, Kentucky gets to play Michigan State. As I uh, previously stated uh, a few episodes ago, I did go to school at Michigan State, but my heart still lies in Lexington and in the bluegrass uh, with the Wildcats. And um, they've had some good battles over the years. This Champions Classic is truly a special thing, in in my opinion, that – um, Gets put on every single season with Kentucky, Michigan State, Duke, and Kansas. I mean, just four absolutely historical programs. Just a really cool way to kind of kick off the college basketball season. You you get to see some of these high-profile freshmen and players on full display right out of the gate. A um, lot of eyes on them and just a really cool, cool atmosphere, again, similar to the game in Madison Square Garden. But I'm excited for them to play Michigan State. Not too sure exactly what they're team's going to be looking like this year we'll we'll have to see closer to the start of the season but always an exciting matchup um two more games that we are going to be playing as well one is scheduled against Notre Dame for some time in December um venue I have not been able to locate so I think it's to be announced Mm -hmm. um and then This is actually the fourth game that we're going to talk about. This is actually a game that was supposed to take place um, two seasons ago, if I'm not mistaken, and it was canceled because of the pandemic and everything, but Kentucky will be traveling to – london england to play the university of michigan in what they're calling the london showcase and this is going to be the first week of december the beginning of the month Um, so a pretty absolutely loaded december for kentucky we normally play louisville in that time around christmas new year's um, depending on what shakes out there so i mean absolutely loaded non-conference schedule out of the gate and we only have four games on the schedule right now which is which is pretty awesome um it's going to be a brutal month leading into conference play for kentucky but like i said this is just going to Um, really help them be battle tested down the road. And these are games that you want to play. You want to be in these, these high profile games. You want to get everyone's best Mm -hmm. shot and you want to go outside of your own conference and play some of these teams and understand what they're trying to do. And um, that sort of thing can really help you as you guide your way through um, hopefully a deep tournament run come March. So some really exciting games, Sam. And uh, I can't wait to watch them in the fall. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an incredible stretch of games there. I mean, obviously, like you said, we'll start off with Michigan out in uh, London, which is just really exciting that we are able to kind of finally get this game back on the calendars. I know that was something we were really looking forward to and then ultimately got set to the wayside because of COVID. Um, really glad that the programs were able to kind of bring that matchup back um, Being able to take on two Big Ten teams, obviously Michigan and Michigan State is going to be really exciting just to show uh, the type of caliber that the Big Ten is able to create for next year. And then obviously matching up against uh, the heavyweight and the Kentucky Wildcats. And I'd like to believe that we're set to hopefully have a a really successful season with an SEC play. But um, yeah, that London game is actually the night of December 4th. And then we turn around on December 10th is that Notre Dame game. So, I mean, we're going back-to-back blows there, and then a week later is the UCLA UCLA game out in uh, Madison Square Garden. So, I mean, we have just a stretch of two weeks there where we're going to be playing some top contenders in the entire nation, um, some of which are obviously going to be on neutral sites. So that's going to be a really great test to just see you know how we fit in comparison to some of the other high profile collegiate teams um, that are going to be kind of, you know, hovering around the top 25, even some of them probably in the top 10. So it's going to be really exciting. Like you said, AJ, I mean, I always enjoy the types of seasons when we are able to build a more strategic and honestly tougher non conference play because, you know, it, it just, kind of speaks volumes as to far as far as what your program and your team is ready for come march i mean you know no one knows this better than john calipari but we cannot have a flop in march this upcoming year and he knows that and i think these types of games are exactly what we need to make sure our team is ready for those those bright lights come march
0: could not Excuse me. Could not have said it better myself, Sam. Uh, That's exactly what I was thinking about. It is all about March. It is all about preparing our guys to be able to go to battle, to be able to go to war in that month of March. And um, we all know how last season ended, so there is a huge (laughs) emphasis on being able to make a deep tournament run next season and everything that you do leading up to that tournament is going to prepare you for those moments and for those games when you are getting every ounce of energy that the other team has and they want nothing more than to beat Kentucky and to be that school who knocks them out and you know, it's coming. So you got to be able to prepare yourself throughout the season and take some blows and be able to learn from your mistakes and, realize what you what you did well and what you didn't do well and really kind of refine your um, toughness um, in those big moments and I'm excited to be able to watch that unfold next season
1: yeah especially AJ like you kind of said it's extremely important to get that continuity and find out who we are as a team early and often next season I, I think some of John Calipari's best coaching jobs have been with teams where he was able to determine the type of team that he had in each position and their role early. And honestly, AJ, I thought he did a great job of doing that this past season. Uh, You know, up until the injuries, we really did kind of have set in stone positions and roles within our players that were excelling within those roles. And you could see it uh, not until some of the injuries were Kellen Grady had to start being more on ball and ball dominant. Did we kind of see that continuity kind of diminish? But again, I really like our programs to be able to find who they are early and often. And I think the most important thing about next season is that John Calipari is actually pushing hard to be able to be one of the programs that's selected for the Bahamas classic. Um, you know, this is something that we've done before AJ. If, uh, for those of you that are listening, aren't familiar, I think you should be, but, uh, it's actually just a preseason tournament. That's unofficial. It won't count for the record or anything like that, but, um, if you're selected to go down to the Bahamas, you spend a week down there and you play uh, semi-professional teams. You can play some other collegiate teams. And really, it's just kind of tune-up games where it is televised, but you're really just out there trying to get more in-game practice even prior to the season beginning. It, it really does kind of give your program that first leg up into you know the first couple stretches of those games and obviously as we said aj i mean heading out of november and into december we've got some big time games i think our ability to get down to the bahamas have some fun both on and off the basketball court let these players get together we've got a lot of unfamiliar faces that are going to be playing together for the first time um and just giving them the ability to get to know one another both on and off the court could be vital i think it's some of the best seasons that we've had, we've been able to participate in that great opportunity down in the Bahamas. So hopefully um, we're able to secure that spot. Nothing's guaranteed, but I know that's actually something coach Cal has expressed that they have interest in doing this upcoming season.
0: Yeah. I I love that he's expressed interest in that because honestly, one thing that I've really, really wanted uh, as a fan um, at the beginning of the season is to enter into one of those tournaments where you got eight to 12 teams um, and You know, you get to get some different looks against some different opponents, and hopefully you can navigate your way through a little bit of a mini tournament there at the beginning of the season, and it just kind of gives your guys a a little bit of an experienced um, taste of what March Madness is like, where you're playing games in a shorter span of time, and the turnaround is quicker, and you're going against teams that you have not played all season, nor will not play all season, and um we've always played in the champions classic and the cbs sports classic and that stuff is great i love that uh i've just always wanted to have like one tournament at the beginning of the season where we go and play i just think that would be a cool experience something we we've done down in the bahamas and it's a little bit different what sam's talking about than the traditional um tournaments that they've set up at the beginning of the college basketball season with just ncaa teams but um either way That sort of tournament atmosphere is something that I think can only be beneficial to the players in the long run of the season. So cool to see John Calipari kind of trying to work his way back into that and something that can definitely be beneficial for our team.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I just think the the fun thing when breaking all this opportunity down in some of these big games is to reiterate within big blue nation that there actually is a light within the tunnel that we're in. Um, you know, obviously we've had some dark days since our loss in March, and I think it's really encouraging just to hear some good news and some fun news come out of, um, you know, the Kentucky basketball program. I think that's something to look forward to. I think it's something to get excited about and just realize that, you know, we're not going to be in the trenches forever.
0: Well, Sam, I'm glad you brought that up because speaking of some exciting news, we are going to turn the page and talk about some exciting news within the football program as there's been a lot of news recently about Kentucky and the the coaches out on the recruiting trail. They are really been in contact with a a ton of different players um, ranging from guys in the class of 2023, 2024, and even 2025. So there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes as far as recruitment goes. And a lot of the off season, these coaches, um, not just Mark Stoops and his recruiters, I'm talking every single coach, the defensive backs coach, the offensive line coach, all these guys are out there and they are working hard at getting people, guys, to come to school and to commit to Kentucky. And with all that that news and, and buzz surrounding, we thought that we'd touch base on six players that we have committed for the class of 2023 And it's just kind of a a small glimpse into what is to come. Obviously this is a small sample and we will have more than just six guys who will be a part of this recruiting class um, for
1: 2023. I think so, AJ. I mean, we have, uh, you know, me and AJ were talking earlier guys and we have 361 offers out there for the next couple of years for recruiting classes. So, there is so much to break down, so much talent to look at. Um, and I'm hoping that, yeah, AJ, we don't end up with uh, six guys for the class of 2023. But no, it's a good start, and I, I'm excited to kind of break these guys down.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm just going to kind of run through these guys real quick and um, kind of touch base on what type of players they are. And then Sam is just going to kind of give you guys a little bit of a overall um, bigger picture to kind of take away from this early um, group of six guys who have committed for the class of 2023. So we will start with a player. His name is Shamar Porter. He is from Ensworth High School in Nashville, Tennessee. He is a wide receiver at six foot three and 200 pounds. So he's got some good size to him for sure. 6'3, definitely a little bit taller than some of the other receivers that we've had at the program um, he is a four-star recruit, position rated number thirty for the class of twenty twenty-three, so clearly a talented wide receiver from the state of Tennessee. Next we have Tommy Zeismer, and he is from Danville, Kentucky. He is a edge rusher standing at six foot one and two hundred forty-two pounds. He is a forty-eighth. Ranked player in the class of 2023 and has a composite score of 87.33 when it comes to his recruitment ranking. Next we have Caden Mormon. He is also from Kentucky, but from Frankfurt, Kentucky. He is listed as an athlete at 510 and 205 pounds kind of going along with the theme of some of the recruits that we talked about for the class of 2022 on last episode of the All Out Kentucky podcast, and he will be committed for the class of 2023. We then have a three-star tight end from Washington, Ohio, and his name is Tanner Lemaster, He is 6'5 and 241 pounds, so he is a big boy. He's got some size to him, um, definitely got some skill to him, and uh, should be excited to hopefully have him on campus in 2023. We then go back to the well as far as the big blue wall is concerned as we sign another or have another commit um, from an offensive tackle position in Malachi Wood, and he is from Madison Central High School in Richmond, Kentucky. Rounding out the last of the 2023 commits, we have Ty Bryant, who is from Frederick Douglass High School in Lexington, Kentucky. He is a six foot, 175 pound athlete, and yeah. That's the six early commits that we have for 2023. And Sam, I kind of sense a similar theme going on with the area in which these kids are coming from. Why don't you touch on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think this was the most exciting part. Uh, you know, obviously we can break down the numbers and the names and the type of recruits that we're getting, but this is the class of 2023. I know this is out on the horizon for a lot of us. Um, and it's difficult to you know think that far out. So you know, we, when we say you know Malachi Wood, another offensive tackle for the Big Blue Wall, and he's six eight, three hundred pounds. I mean, it, that's easily enough to get all of you excited. Don't get me wrong, but I think when AJ and I broke down these six early commits for the class of twenty twenty three, what jumped off the page to us and to the staff is that the theme of how we are defending our backyard and our recruitment processes. You know, when we look at this, we've got four of the six are from the state of Kentucky. Our biggest recruit and commitment for the class of 2023 is a wide receiver out of Nashville, Tennessee. And then the only other recruit is out of Ohio. So clearly we are defending our backyard. Our time and our resources on the recruiting trail are explicitly being placed in this area especially about getting early and often commits from the state of Kentucky and then obviously going back to the well and the success that we've had with Vince Morrow in the state of Ohio and then as of late our extreme success that we've had especially with specialty players in the state of Tennessee stealing obviously some of Tennessee and Vanderbilt's you know star recruits so Overall, I think that's what I'm most excited about, AJ, is obviously we've got some exciting names and talented position players in this early core of the six players that have committed for the 2023 season. But if we're going to be spending all our time, all our resources, we have to be able to obtain the players that are in our backyard. And clearly from the four early commits that we have out of these six guys, we're doing that. Um, I think that opens up our opportunity to kind of just build off the base that we have especially in our own backyard uh you know it's kind of nice once you got a few that are committed within the state it's easier to kind of go out and grab some of the other guys and say you know look what we're building look who else is here um whether it's teammates you know familiar opponents within the state competition it's just exciting but don't get me wrong six early commits all coming from our neck of the woods that's something that everyone should absolutely be excited about
0: Definitely a good building block, a nice foundation, as Sam said, um, spending all a lot of time and resources on being able to recruit in the state of Kentucky and the areas surrounding the state of Kentucky clearly is paying dividends, so we will continue to keep you guys posted on all things recruiting when it comes to the football team and as things that de- develop for 2023 and even beyond into the future and sticking with recruiting we do have one more player that I would like to touch on because this morning it was actually reported that there is another player who has basically put Kentucky in his top six of his recruiting for the class of 2023. So a guy that could be added to these six players that we talked about. Um, His name is Avery Stewart, and he is a defensive back from the state of Alabama. He is a four-star recruit, and he has offers from Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, Miami, Michigan State, and Florida State. So Clearly, a lot of big-name big, big name teams are going after this guy. Again, sticking with the theme of the secondary, obviously not going to be a help this season, but potentially if he decides to come to Kentucky, could be a real help in the secondary next season and building that core uh, group of guys back there to really kind of anchor down that position and not have to be going out every single year and trying to find guys in the transfer portal to be able to fill that role and really create a nucleus of guys that can play for a few years and um, uphold that position and hold it to a high standard. So um, I was excited to hear that Avery had um, made an official visit date for uh, the month of June, so he will be out visiting – in June, I believe between, I said the 8th through the 10th. So sometime around that, that, that weekend. And um, he actually came to campus last season for an unofficial visit. And from everything that I was able to gather, um, reading some reports on two, four, seven sports, he enjoyed his time in Lexington and something that stuck out to him was our defensive back coach, Frank Buffano is the one that has been recruiting avery um, firsthand and when he came to kentucky he said something that was really important to him was how the players treat how the players treat and respect the coaches and he said that from the second he walked on campus, he could tell that the players at Kentucky really do love their coaches and respect them and want to work hard for them. And he could see that in the way that the men carried themselves and their type of relationship that the players had with the coaches. So um, something that hopefully goes a long way in being able to sign this kid, I would love to be able to get him. He's definitely a talented player. Um, so we'll have to keep you guys posted on that, but I just thought that would be some exciting news to bring to you all. As he did announce, he has an official visit for Kentucky in June and we are a part of his top six in his recruiting class or in his recruiting, um, good process Lord. process. Yeah. Thank you. Sam. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, it's absolutely exciting. I mean, um, like I alluded to earlier, there are, couple hundred names that are flashing around for offers coming from Kentucky over the next couple of recruiting classes. But um, this is a big one, especially if we could go out into Alabama's backyard and Auburn's backyard and steal them away. Um, That'd be a big commitment. And, yeah, we'll see. I mean, hopefully the official visit goes well here in the month of June. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the recruitment may be able to heat up and uh, his timetable maybe come together pretty efficiently after that recruitment process goes and his visit goes. So uh, stay tuned for that.
0: Yeah. And speaking, um, sticking with the recruiting trail, um, some comments were made this past week that I thought that me and Sam could touch on and it kind of ties into recruiting and what we were speaking about previously on the all out Kentucky podcast um, last episode, when we talked about NIL and like I said, Nick Saban had a we'll call it a meeting, press conference, something that they do every single season. It was him, um, basketball coach, some other people, and basically they're just putting on a big QA type thing where they can address all the boosters at Alabama and kinda give them a low lowdown on what's going on within the programs and the recruiting trail and all sorts of stuff like that. And Nick found himself in some hot water from the comments that he made and basically (laughs) to break it down for you guys if you aren't 100% familiar with what he said he basically kind of said that the reason why Alabama doesn't have a number one recruiting class is because Texas a schools like Texas A&M are paying their players to come to school there and he also pointed out um Head coach Deion Sanders from Jackson State saying that they paid a guy a million dollars in NIL money to come to school there and prime away from some of the bigger programs across the country. So obviously these comments were made on the heels of the announcement that we talked about as far as the NCAA and NIL are concerned. And me and Sam kind of broke that down. And right now where we are is there really is no way that the NCAA can punish any of these schools for allowing their boosters to offer kids money and promise them money to come to school there, because technically it's not against the law right now. And that's why the NCAA does not want this to happen. But it's like, we talked about them trying to make this rule now after the floodgates have already opened is very hard to do. So this is a very sticky situation. Um, but the reason why I wanted to bring this up and the reason why I thought that Nick Saban's comments were very interesting was because he then went on after saying that, you know, we don't have the number one recruiting class because we're not paying our players to come to school here. And it kind of touched on a bigger topic an issue where he's talking about an edge that his school has gained and that he has gained throughout the years of being able to recruit. And now because of NIL the playing field is now being shifted because certain teams and programs are being able to throw money around at players and it's just completely changing the landscape of recruiting. Now, how does that impact Kentucky football and basketball? Well, me and Sam have both been very clear about the position that our head coaches have taken in the sense of NIL So, I just wanted to ask you, Sam, do you Uh think with the fact that a lot of these schools are going out there and paying kids and promising them money to come to a certain school, and like I said, Kentucky, John Calipari, Mark Stoops have said that is not our pitch, that is not why we're going after players, that's not what we are trying to get. So do you think that this is going to have a negative impact on players being pried away from John Calipari and Mark Stoops, and we could be left with desolate talent over the next few years because a lot of these kids are able to take money and go other places when we're not going to be the one to promise them that money up front?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it begs a great question. And I think it's the same question and, kind of topic that nick saban was commenting on i mean he no longer has the quote number one recruiting class Boo hoo! he's got the number two so i mean i think he'll be fine uh, but no you're you're right aj it's that leveling of the playing field that um not only the nil creates but also the transfer portal uh, i think that's another interesting topic but Ultimately, my quick answer to you is I think we're fine. I I really do. I think, uh, you know, relatively speaking, don't get me wrong, it impacts the type of players that we're going to be getting, but I don't think the caliber of players that we are going to be able to secure is going to change because of NIL. I think uniquely Alabama for football and Kentucky for basketball – Almost have the same opportunity created from NIL in the sense that we're both extremely prolific and historic programs in their own rights. You're naturally still bringing in the most highly sought after recruits and top caliber in every recruiting class. Every player knows that they're going to have an amazing opportunity to secure money through NIL deals if they choose to go to Alabama for football or to Kentucky to play basketball. That naturally is going to happen. I think it's the approach that is the most important part, AJ, and you alluded to it. We've already talked about it on our previous episode. Mark Stoops, John Calipari, Nick Saban have all said that they are not going to explicitly go out and promise money, basically what they're calling, quote, pay-to-play. For players to say, okay, we're going to give you that million dollars in NIL contracts if you come play for us and basically upfront guaranteeing a contract that then can have obviously the influence on players decisions as to where they're going to go. The question that you bring up AJ is extremely important to at least ponder and consider because you're right. I mean, does that ultimately change our ability to go out and secure these types of players? I don't think so just because, I mean, not to toot our own horn, I'm not just saying we're going to get the recruitments because we're Kentucky. That's not the case. I mean, we lose recruitment battles all the time, especially for basketball, but at the same time, we're securing the right talent that I want to play for Kentucky. I don't want these guys coming in thinking that they're going to make a million dollars and they don't care what happens. That's, that's not what Mark Stoops or John Calipari wants either. They want the right individuals that are coming into our program for the right reasons to hang up banners, to make, you know, a name for themselves, not from the money that they made, but the type of caliber player that they are on the court on the gridiron. I mean, that's the more important part. And I think it's exciting and reassuring to hear that, you know, our heads at the table are speaking in the same sense that that's, what's most important to them. Um, It's something that kind of backs up the conversation as to why I think that we're going to be fine in the recruiting trails especially in the sense of basketball is a lot like what I'm going to break down in Alabama's opportunity. So you brought up Dean Sanders over at Jackson state university. Um, Obviously he's been able to do an incredible job in securing some really high profile recruits. And as you alluded to last year, AJ, he was actually able to bring in the number one recruit in the entire class. Um, And, you know, a huge head scratcher, just considering, why is someone deciding to go to Jackson State over in Alabama um, where he, you know, he can obviously have an incredible opportunity at NIL money, at just making a bigger name for himself at the collegiate level to then help his, you know, passions to move on to the next level at the NFL. But what I thought was interesting is, so the Alabama athletics budget is $180 million. Nick Saban's salary is $9 million. They estimate their recruiting. Process to be roughly around a budget of fifty million dollars. AJ, okay. So they these guys are able to go out and spend basically money that at that point doesn't even exist. I mean, they can utilize and exhaust all potential resources over there at Alabama. Then we look at Jackson State. They have an athletic budget for all programs of eight million dollars, less than the salary of Nick Saban per year. Uh, we then look at this quote. Jackson State player that was making a million dollars from NIL. Um, Deion Sanders' salary, AJ, is $300,000. So we're talking about a potential scenario where his player is now making more money than him in NIL, which this was not confirmed. Nick Saban was kind of just throwing around, you know, um, kind of incredible allegations at a lot of different people including jimbo fisher like you said aj but uh don't get me wrong i mean there was a huge indicating factor in this player's decision to go to jackson state because yeah he was going to make some money from nil and he has um but i, I just think that's important to to note because yeah they might have lost one recruiting battle and it was a big one don't get me wrong and they don't have the number one recruiting class in the nation next year but a program like alabama when i break down those numbers aj Do you not agree with me that the fact that they have put themselves in a potential eligibility to not really have that much road blockage from NIL because, I mean, dude, they have $180 million for their athletics program. I think they're still going to have the resources to do what they need to do without guaranteeing a player, hey, if you come through our program, we're absolutely going to give you a million dollars from NIL.
0: Yeah, so um, the way that I thought about this was – First off, hearing Nick Saban talk about uh, things being tilted away from his favor and getting kind of pissy about it um, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, sounds like a rich guy who the lawn care guy comes and says, <laughs> hey, man, inflation, your, your, your lawn costs $50 more. And he starts complaining about it. It's like, bro, you have so much money. What is that? Like, why does that $50 even matter to you? But. Anyways, I think the bigger picture um, of what he was trying to say I think got lost in the comments that he made um, because I thought he did bring up an interesting point where some of these schools are going to choose that route. And Mm -hmm. when they do choose that route of trying to get players to come to their school by offering them money and or boosters telling them and promising them a certain amount of money... And Sam touched on this. To me, honestly, that's not the type of player that I I want to represent our program. And I really do believe that that's not the type of player that John Calipari, Calipari, Mark Stoops, or the entire Kentucky Athletic Department wants as representatives of their university and of that iconic Kentucky logo and just what it means to so many people, and I don't think that the way that we do things is we're going to just pay people to come to school here because we want to be the best. No, we're going to work hard, and we're going to go get people who want to work hard, and they want to be the best, and if the money comes along with it, then that's awesome, and it can be life-changing and can do all sorts of wonderful things, but the main goal is the main goal, and that is to win and to develop these players and then to rich, enrich their lives both on and off the field. And what has John Calipari specifically done from the second that he's gotten to Kentucky? It is all about bringing in as much talent as he can and then getting these guys to buy in to being a part of a team and doing what is best for everybody else. And through that, them shining because of their success within the team and that is what he has been trying to do from day one and that is exactly what Mark Stoops is trying to do with his program and if you're trying to build a program like that then the type of player and the type of kid that you are going after to to put there in those positions on your teams is not a kid who's worried about how much money he's going to make up front and swayed to go to a school by that he's going to be intrigued by the opportunity that a coach is presenting him, um, albeit of Mark Stoops or John Calipari or any person on their staff who is an extension of them. It is the opportunity to come in and work hard and to have all the resources that you could possibly want in the the nicest facilities and an awesome fan base and a complete support of staff, fans, and teammates who are there to help them and encourage them to grow over time and to do things the right way and like I said I think that's just why that we wanted to touch on this whole thing because I think it really does kind of like shine a light on our coaches and our program and just says like hey this is who we are this is how we're going to do things and we're not going to let this other crap dictate how we do things here in our program and we're completely confident in who we are and that makes me as a fan very confident in what's going on and the fact that we we may lose a battle from time to time in the recruitment but overall we will win the war because we will still be standing and we will still be building our program year after year and doing the things the right way and I truly do believe that that will lead to success on the field.
1: No doubt. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think we're trending in the right direction with all this chaos that's going on in the collegiate realm. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful, as I've said before, that we've got two navigators in John Calipari and Mark Stoops, you know, leading us through these uncharted waters. So, uh, you know, it's good to feel confident and comfortable with who's running our programs right now during all this madness. Absolutely,
0: Sam. And with that being said, that is all we have on this episode of the All Out Kentucky podcast. I know Sam, trying to make this one a little bit shorter, didn't end up happening. We always just get into two <laughs> goods of conversation. I know Sam is trying to go catch a movie tonight. He's got some plans, so we're going to get him yes, out of sir. here. He's going to say bye to you all, and please... Follow the page, AO Kentucky Pod, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow me and Sam on Twitter, at Andrew John Bradley, at Sam Brad 66. Like the podcast, share the podcast, review the podcast, anything you can do greatly helps us. We appreciate all of you tuning in. We are glad to be back and bringing you all things Kentucky football and basketball. I am AJ Bradley. Sam. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks, y'all. Have a great